Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. I hesitate to say we took a week off. We killed ourselves last week, but we're very, very excited to be back. Thanks for writing all your questions, all your car conclusions, your topic Tuesdays. But we are back in the studio after our summer break. What we were doing is shooting our cheap sports car challenge films. Mm-hmm. That is plural. Yep. It is all the cars we could have purchased yep. for our requirements with our cheap sports cars. Mm-hmm. But we decided to go after all the cars that we could have bought and say, did we do it right mm-hmm. with our two cars? Think about it this way, guys. This is eight cars total, including R2. We shot the equivalent of one of our big feature films in four days, and it's going to be out in a month. So this is why we took the week Little from busy. podcasting because there was a lot of shooting going yeah, on. We got um, we got mountains and mountains of great, great footage. I am incredibly excited. Also, in case you haven't noticed, it's pretty much August. August here at Everyday Driver is Cheap Sports Car Month. Both uh, of our YouTube channels, the Test Drive channel and our original channel, are both going to be cheap sports cars all month. Huge stuff coming. We have, I believe it's 10 videos dropping over two channels in five weeks. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. And the reason for this is really to be thorough about it because of all the questions that we get yeah. from many listeners and saying, guys, I don't have 10 grand. I've got eight. Mm-hmm. What cheap sports car can I buy when we were on our shoot? A lady was walking across the parking lot, just noticed all the cars, and yeah. she commented like, wow, this is great. What are, you, what are you guys doing? And I said, well, let me tell you, these are cool sports cars that all can be purchased for under eight grand. And her mind was blown. Mm-hmm. She said, mm-hmm. what? Yep. You're kidding me. I said, no, that's the entire point of filming these and doing our comparisons because we want to help the audience really find these cars and rediscover yeah. Yeah. them. And she said, as she was walking away, I've got to go tell my husband. <laughs> I said... <laughs> Sweet. My job is done here. Yeah, we do that. We're very excited. Also, I have two words for you before we leave our discussion of this cheap sports car films, drag and race. <laughs> just letting you know, just letting you know that's coming too. Also, we are still releasing TV. I, don't, I hope you got to see the Rally Ready episode that just dropped this yeah, past weekend. Fun. The next one coming is 90s Heroes. Very excited about that one as well. Yeah, we drove the 90s superheroes. The Supra, the, 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 the twin turbo the one, Supra. The one we all want, yes. And then the 91 300ZX twin turbo. Mm-hmm. Of course, the twin turbo Mazda RX-7. So that is Very all cool. coming. You can get Ad Brightness right now. We're coming up on the 40th. Is that back out on Blipshift? Yes, we're coming okay. up on the Great. 40th anniversary Great. or the 40th gathering of the Lotus owners in the U.S. It happens to be in our backyard here in Salt Lake. We're kind of excited about that. But Blipshift is still selling our Ad Brightness Lotus Elise shirt. That's out for about another week, as is our Fluent In car symbols. Both of those are available if you one of them on Blipshift. I just ordered one for my wife today of okay. the Ad Brightness because she was so frustrated that I got a, <laughs> I got a shirt for my son and a shirt for myself. <laughs> and she said, where is my Ad Brightness shirt? And I went, uh-oh. So I'm glad it's back around, <laughs> neglect, but order those neglect. now. Well, if you're on the inside and you're one of the cool kids, everybody says it, Log 40, because it is the mm. 40th anniversary of the Lotus Owners Gathering. So it's uh-huh. Log 40. Yeah, I'm not and that cool. Both first, of us are going, what? First time that was said to me, I was just starry-eyed. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I don't get Log it. But now, now I do. It's happening right here in Salt Lake. You've heard us talk about drive homework, because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. 
I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Our topic Tuesday today comes from Casey D. in Boise, Idaho, asking mm-hmm. if his experiences are different enough. Casey, thanks for writing. It's a bit of a debate, but ending and culminating with the question, are the next car decisions that he's making mm-hmm. truly differentiating him enough? So he says he's fully up to speed on everything we're doing. Really, really appreciate Casey. Glad to have you with us for sure, yeah. He says he's a huge car nerd, even took a job in the automotive sector to further his neediness and then get paid for it. (laughs) That's kind of what we did too, to be honest. Well, he says he moved from Boise to Boise, Idaho, from Santa Rosa, California. He says since they moved at the start of the pandemic, he and his wife were able to buy a house at an amazing discount. Doesn't usually happen. And he's been ordering the cars that they were lusting after and even got a dog they desperately wanted for so many years. That's quite a life change. I like I like it for you guys. It's very cool. Well, he says this email comes with as a slight car conclusion, but he says, the minister of finance, she has the shirt, wears it proudly. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. That's great. He says they had to come up with a compromise that he got to get a truck in 2017, an F-150 EcoBoost and a fun weekend car. But then she got to pick any car she wanted within reason. Okay. And now this arrangement went very well for both she and he. He was able to find the truck that he wanted and general truck stuff. She was able to order a 2021 Bronco that she had her eye on since they were announced. Interesting. Okay. Now they've been impatiently waiting for the call to let her know the new baby is ready for delivery. And what is she driving? Because it's going to still well, we, be a bit. <laughs> we I'm don't just know. letting you know. Anyway, yeah, onward. They were promised no dealer markup when the time comes. That would be awesome. But in the meantime, he's been bitten by the Corvette bug <laughs> thanks to your dad, Todd. And so he set out to Go buy get a the Corvette. nicest $35,000 C6 he could find. Okay, that, that's good money for a good one, yeah. He was searching, he was test driving, he was looking for that perfect C6, and none of them really sparked him. He thinks, now that he's thinking back about it, he thinks it was the cheap interior. Now, look, that interior came a long way. C4, C5, C6, C7, like there's a huge jumps in interior quality on all of those. My dad's C6, I'm so glad he's in a C6, not a, not a C5. Mm, yeah. But you felt like the C6 wasn't quite a good enough interior, and it just never really connected with you. And then it just so happened that one of your customers, you don't say exactly what you do, but one of your customers one day brought in a C7. Yeah. And you were like, whoa, that's a nice interior. And then your wife happened to come by yeah. and she saw it and she went, wow. Well, she loved it more than he did. Yeah, it's true. So he says two months later, they almost doubled their budget. I just <laughs> want everybody to notice. There it is. They ding, doubled ding, their ding. budget. It happens. I'm glad you admitted it. But that just means they're the extremely proud and happy owners of a 2016 Corvette Stingray in torch red, he says, you're welcome, Todd, with a red interior yep. Bravo. and a manual transmission. That's great. He loves the car. He loves everything about it. The power is intoxicating. The transmission is so nice to shift, especially with the rev match. I can see that. You're yeah. right. Now, their financial situation has changed quite a bit in the last few months between investments paying off and a favorable housing market. So the minister of finance agreed it might be time for a step up. She put on the shirt. And she got out the budget, Mm -hmm. and they came out ahead. I Mm -hmm. like it. That's good. Now, Casey loves the C7, but he needs some advice. If he were to sell the Corvette, 
he has $125,000 to work with, Wow! which is the going rate for used C8s in this particular current market. If he keeps the C7, he has $45,000 to go get an additional experience. Hmm. He's interested in just sucking it up and getting a C8, but he's wondering <laughs> if he's overlooking something here. <laughs> I'm going go, to go get a C8. Well, he's got a short commute, which the truck usually handles. Okay. The weekend car is usually just that. They go on long drives in the mountains on Sundays, cars and coffees and car meets whenever they can, and some light drag racing when they can. <laughs> some light drag racing. What is light drag racing? That, that's, we didn't get official about it. We just You happened to rev next to me at the light, so sure, let's get this <laughs> done. Drag racing yeah. light. Mm-hmm. He's so obsessed with his Corvette that the next step C8 sounds like the normal progression. Sure, that's, of course, I see what that. every car company teaches us. That's what, well, that's what they're The next for, model yeah. is the next one you want. Mm-hmm. You're already a BMW enthusiast, so the next whatever is the natural successor. Are the experiences different enough, though, he writes. Is he overlooking a gem he could see at this price range? Mm. Well, there's many at that price range. Yeah, at 125 grand, you got a lot of options. He needs help before his fun car fund goes to relandscape the backyard. Hi. Or whatever hole people throw their money down. (laughs) This is the other side of home ownership. I got all this money for the... Where did it go? Where did it... What... it went into plants that that's are now ni- surrounded by weeds. That's a nice tree, but it's not that nice. Why is that? In my yeah, case, I, why is that tree dead again? I can't keep trees alive to save my life. It's a whole hey, separate thing. Yeah, I'm thrilled to get landscaping because yeah. it's looked very weedy and dead for a while. And <laughs> this is where the money goes. Time to make the change. Welcome to homeownership. Really great car, Casey, but landscaping. Mm. So it's been the back deck and then concrete. By the way, concrete is the world's most valuable substance as of it this is podcast right report- yeah. recording. Yeah. Because if you just want a patio, good luck. Unless mm-hmm. you're pouring five foundations in a row, you're just I'm just a little guy. <laughs> you're not on the list. God. Concrete goes to the big people building stadiums. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. So I feel your pain with the landscaping. I could have had something so sweet, but <laughs> no, I had a dark mulch with the yeah. you know, natural grasses and yep. Yeah. Anyway, it'll look nice when it's done. But nevertheless, Casey needs help here. With finding a new experience, and at one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, there's vast new experiences. Yeah. So what should he do with one hundred and twenty-five grand? I mean, <laughs> from an investment standpoint, you could make another investment and well, drive a cheap sports car. This, you yeah. could go that direction, mm-hmm. and that's why we're filming this these films. Yep. To talk about, well, even if you've got the money, what if you don't want to put all that money into an expensive sports car? We've had that Agreed. discussion, Casey. Agreed. Well, and, and we are not a financial advice podcast because we're going to say get a car, but uh, that's a lot of good money. Here's the thing that I'm pretend. so excited about, Casey, is you have a car you are in love with. True. You stretched and bought True. that C7, and I think that stretch has paid off, mm-hmm, and you got mm-hmm. the car you wanted, and it, it remains even cooler than you thought it would be. That is a complete 100% victory. I want to talk about this on both sides. I want to talk about that full 125 grand. You sell the C7 and you move on. I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about it in the other way, and that is you keep the C7 that you love so much, you get something else that's cheaper. I want to talk about it both ways, but the big part I don't understand here is this. I'm wondering, based on the way you've broken your life down, if you had an additional car, when does it get driven? That was my question. Or if the new car is the shiny new thing that he loves, and now the C7 that he loves... Sits. One, that's my big concern about another car is I, I feel like you guys together go in a car together on fun weekend drives. If you mm-hmm. have an additional mm-hmm. car that's a fun weekend car, do you trade off weekends? Or does one of them 
kind of invariably end up languishing because it's the one that you don't like as much. They could get matching C7s, his and hers. That, please don't do that. You also could both <laughs> take a car, but then you're not having that experience. You're having it together, but not in the same car, mm-hmm. which that depends on your relationship yeah. and what you like about those road trips and those cars and coffees. I have seen plenty of couples show up each in a car. I have absolutely seen that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that can work. You could both go on a fun drive together. My wife does not want to do that. She, she, she feels, here's the thing. She appreciates the fact that I love it. She actually, she's not a great passenger, but she's an okay passenger. She really doesn't like to drive an additional car on a drive. Mm -hmm. And we finally talked about this. And the reason is because Kate feels like she's under pressure to drive fast and it makes her nervous. Oh, so she'd rather kind of, she'd rather suck through her teeth. Riding passenger. You've all heard that. You've all heard that from a nervous passenger. She'd rather do that in the passenger side than drive a car and feel like she's under. And what's interesting is the times that she's driven, she's done fine. She's been right there with the pack. It's not an issue, but it it makes her nervous. So where are you guys on both taking a car? Is it even an option? Because I'm worried about an additional car. And I want to talk about this both ways, but I think that additional car might just sit. Yeah. It doesn't sound, Casey, like you've had the C7 very long either, which is okay. And on one side of the equation... This is how car collections get started. Yeah. This is how it happens. You want another one, and that is okay. Mm-hmm. And you are in a fortunate financial position to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. That is huge. Yeah. It's yeah. not something everybody gets to consider. The kind of money to be able to, A, spend on a car or buy another one, Yeah. this is amazing. But I do want you to get all the experience you can out of that C7. Mm-hmm. But now you're at a place, financially and from a car perspective, where you can start deciding the next car, what do I want it to do? Yeah. The C7 kind of does it all for you right now. And it can. Mm. You do light drag racing. You do the co- cars and coffee thing. Yeah. You do the canyon runs. Yeah. It does it all. For all car enthusiast stuff for driving, mm. it's kind of the do-it-all. And it works great at that. But now, what if you were to sell it? You said, I want a new experience. Okay, we great. We encourage that. But now these next two cars or the next car, mm. what does it need to do? What of those activities appeals to you the most? Mm-hmm. So, okay, now that's a consideration because you can start using your dollars to curate a car collection or get the, the you know that next experience that you want. Yeah. Now, as far as the next experience, the C8 is a dramatic jump from a C7. Mm-hmm. It's it a is very different car. Huge. Yeah. We actually filmed that for our first Corvette piece, comparing the C7 to the C8 for the first C8 piece. Mm -hmm. We've subsequently compared them to other things in the market. But first of all, we just wanted to know how big of a jump is there? Yeah. Yeah. How different is it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the wheelbase change, everything. It's a bespoke chassis. It's brand new. And so that was, uh, it's actually available on YouTube, but that particular experience is so new. I think, sure, you'd love it, but 125 grand for an $80,000 car is it? That's, that's tough. Painful. That's really painful. That's yeah. tough for me to say, yeah, go for mm-hmm. it. Because now mm-hmm. I feel like you're not spending your money wisely. Mm-hmm. And although we joke and we blow out budgets and that kind of stuff, I still want you to feel like you spent your money on something you love and you didn't mm-hmm. overpay. Yeah. So you could go C8, but at $125,000, I am almost of the mindset, if you're done with that C7, spend half of that mm. and get something really targeted and focused you can only answer these questions about what you want the next car to do. Maybe it's all the same stuff, mm-hmm. but maybe you're less focused on light drag racing. Maybe you just don't care about that anymore. You really want to get after some autocross or some, mm. some real track time, and it needs to be even more focused. Spend less and start to put those restrictions on you. 
Casey, it's just like in any design project. Blue sky is great. Blue sky is kind of easy. Mm. The budget's unlimited. We can design anything we want. It can look like anything, and we can you know, do any kind of cool plating or texturing because, of course, we can afford the tooling, and mm. let's just make it awesome. <laughs> we'll just do it cool. Whatever, yeah. A piece of furniture, a piece of art, a product, a car, whatever that is. Blue sky with unlimited budgets, that's exciting. Yeah. But when you're designing a three ninety nine toothbrush, and it needs to fit this parameters, it needs to fit under this brand, it needs to kind of look like this particular brand. It has to mm, have mm. packaging be included in that final price and all in. And, you know, we want a cool cold molded feature in there and, you know, a lot of different things. That's when it starts to get kind of hard. And then how do you differentiate that toothbrush from every other toothbrush on the market? Mm. People don't care about what goes in their mouth. Just brush. <laughs> it's just toothbrush. brush your teeth. Medium bristles. Let's go. So now the really nice brushes cost a lot of money and they're on subscription and blah, blah, blah. So you see my point. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting you to really get a targeted feel for something and go after maybe a little bit harder core kind of car. Because mm. you can always go cushier, plushier, softer. Mm-hmm. And so what about things like a Supra? Oh, interesting. Okay. What about a Supra? I like that you have a manual transmission already, and the mm-hmm. Supra is not currently as of this recording. What about something like that? It's about half the price of what you're looking at. It's a little bit tidier, a little bit smaller. Of course, I'd love to suggest a Cayman. You have, you know, have you even considered those? He could, he could keep his current car and get these cars. Yeah. You could. Yeah, absolutely could with a $45,000 budget. But mm-hmm. then it starts to encroach on the vet. The vet uh, will say That's sit. the big question. I totally agree. Yeah. You know? Keep going. So, I, I, gosh, there's so many things that I could suggest. I just, I want you to have the different experience. I think that's where I'm settled. And that means a different configuration, a mid-engine car. Mm-hmm. And... We, you and I have discovered mid-engine cars, and amazingly enough, we keep gravitating back to them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I agree with most of what you're saying there because I think another experience is key here for Casey. The, the unknowns, Casey, are how willing are you to get out of that C7? That's the, even if you were to go C8, let's just say that's the way you were going to go. How, how willing are you to get out of that C7? And if you had an additional car, which you have put here as an option, will both cars get driven? Only you can answer that. So that's mm-hmm, the mystery here. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about a few things. First off, $125,000. That's a lot of money. A bunch of money. For a lot of options. Look, you could get yourself, I don't think it's the right car, but you get yourself a Mercedes GT at that point. A really now nice there's one. A, there's a nice. Okay, that's, that's Corvette feel, but it's a very different animal. But let's talk C7, C8 real quick. I think you would like the C8. Paul's already said the fact that it's a quite different chassis and feel. For oh, sure. Totally watch, watch our YouTube piece. It, it's very different. However, I wonder, I, want, I genuinely wonder this, how much are you going to miss having a manual? Let's just say you went, because you, a lot. This, this email, exactly, a this lot. email is very much written from the perspective of you love your C7 and it's got you rabid for the C8, but you specifically call up the C7 for how much you like its manual transmission. Mm-hmm. And the C8 is, honestly, it is an exotic car for non-exotic car money in a way the Corvette has never been. And it's very compelling. But I think you're going to miss having a manual. I think you're going to miss oh, it. Oh, definitely. He's so totally going to miss it. That yep. concerns me. I think you'd be in the C8 and be kind of like, yeah, but I wish it had a manual. I, that, based mm-hmm. on your experience right now, that, that's where I'm landing. The other thing is, for the kind of money you're talking about, you could go like a fire-breathing Cayman. 125 oh. grand, you get yourself a brand new 4-liter. Oh, you can okay. easily get the GTS, but the GT4s, they're $123,900. Yeah. Ask me how I know. But, but the 4-liter GTS is what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. And that's a totally different yeah. feel and you would love it. Now you're jumping mid engine like you would to the, to the uh, C8, but I think the Cayman offers you a manual, mm-hmm. which would be very interesting. And mm-hmm. I wonder, I think that mid engine chassis you would enjoy. So I think I'm still struggling with this because I'm not sure of your usage, but I think where I'm landing on this is here. Part of the problem with the C8 right now is, believe it or not, even two years after they actually were in dealerships, they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. And so dealers are marking them up. And to your point, you're finding used ones for 120 That's insane. And I don't, I, I hate for you to pay that markup. So let's just say a C8 is in your future. Here's what I think is in your present. I think you keep the C7. And I think you take that 45 grand and you might not even take all of it. I mean, half of it or maybe all of it, but take that other money, that 45 grand and buy a different car that is completely different than the C7. So that means no big monster V8. That means no car that weighs 3,500 pounds mm-hmm. or even close. Mm-hmm. So we need to go small and light and preferably mid-engine. Uh, on that list, you could get yourself an older first-gen Cayman or Boxster. They weigh under 3,000 pounds. They're mid-engine. You can get a manual transmission. You would love that car. If you spent thirty grand on an early one of those, you would get the nicest one on the planet. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. You could get yourself a Miata. Pick your Miata. But I think you get an ND2 a year or two old, maybe even an RF, you could get a, frankly, you get a new one for less than 45. But I think the Miata is compelling. Yes, the 86 is in here, but I actually wonder about something like an Elise for you. The totally different animal than that Corvette. It spend is. 40 grand to get an Elise. But again, like I said, you could spend 25 and get yourself a Cayman or a, or a Miata. Okay, because what I want you to do is have the lightweight, chuckable thing that is totally different than your Corvette and hang on to both of those for a year. And the reason I say that is because a year from now, Corvettes aren't going to be one hundred and twenty five grand. Let's hope not. C8s are going to have come down. There'll be more out there, both at dealers and used. And that price premium they're going for will have dropped. So at that point, you can have an assessment of, am I done with either one of these cars? And do I want to get rid of both for a C8? Or can I get a C8 and keep one of these two that I have? That's where I'm landing. Having a thought for you, Casey. I'm not sure if this is the right one. I don't know if you're to that point in your car career. And I say that because not everybody reaches this point. Okay. Everybody just might want continually newer cars that are still going to run. You don't have to pour a bunch of maintenance dollars into it. I actually saw one today. As <laughs> Did a matter you really? Fact. Yeah. It's been raining today. That would be fun. Yeah. I got a FedEx and saw one and went, what? Is that <laughs> super lime green. Oh, really that's cool. cool. Love it. But I'm wondering about the older stuff. Mm. There's problems with the older stuff because they become precious. They become the yeah. baby and yeah, the yeah, sit. Yeah. And then, well, I got to pour maintenance dollars into them just to keep them at a certain level. And then, yeah. oh man, the car's 20 years old. Name the blank part that just needs to be changed mm-hmm. because of age. Yeah, for sure. Heat and age and all that yeah. stuff. That's the problem with the old stuff. But there's a lot of driving pleasure to be found mm-hmm. and a lot of ownership pleasure to be found in the older for sure. stuff. For sure. But Ferrari 360 Modenas oh. are as low as $70,000. The manual transmissions, admittedly, are higher priced. Or more, yeah. Really nice ones with 10,000 miles with the F1 transmission. It's not mm-hmm. the manual. Yeah. They're $108,000. At that point, you'd own an old Ferrari. In Boise, Idaho. What's the service like? That thing <laughs> is just, it's sucking at your wallet. It's going to need stuff. But the point is not the Ferrari. The point is, what is the older thing that has always interested you, mm. you've always thought about, yeah. that is less than your budget, 
the rest of your budget will be eaten up by maintenance, but it costs less to buy than your budget. So let's say it costs you 60 or 70. Yeah. What is that car mm. that now is the, I've always wanted to own that car, but I've just never thought about it. Now they're inexplicably low. Or maybe they're just now within, within your I can budget. Afford one. Yeah, yeah. And you finally can own that. And mm. it's not the latest, newest, because I just feel like we could sit here and name R8s and Porsche 911s and Caymans and sure, all course. that stuff yeah. and be like, yeah, get the newest, latest. And I think you'll be, you'll like them. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice. Mm-hmm. And then you'll write back to us and say, next. Yeah, what's next? Possibly. possibly, yeah. But if you go older, something with an attachment. Mm. And the reason I say that is because your financial situation indicates to me that you are going to be able to afford a small collection. Mm, possibly, point. yeah. yeah. So what if you change your thinking and got the forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 thing that's 20 years old now, mm. you've always wanted, they're going to take maintenance. But you know, I've come to this place where I think it's the older cars that are worth putting our enthusiast dollars into to keep mm. them running. Okay. Because if all these auction sites didn't exist with the favorite, have you seen that? 1992 BMW 850i with the B12 and a manual <laughs> transmission. That would be awesome. No, that would not be awesome. <laughs> awesome, be awesome when it ran. Awesome for other people to own. Yeah, I hope somebody not buys you. that. Yeah, because wow. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm a Porsche super freak. But here's Porsche. You're still able to order the old parts mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. a new dealership. Yeah, good point. Good point. And that happens at many car companies. You can still find these old parts, and it's up to us enthusiasts to keep these running. And so what if you did that? What if you mm-hmm. always loved Alphas, if you always loved Jags or something like that, something different, cool, and you got into that side of the equation more? Mm-hmm. Then, all right, it's not the fastest thing ever. It doesn't have the most horsepower. Everything new will crush it. Yeah, yeah, true. And you don't care anymore. Very true. And there's your new experience. I'm asking. I don't know what that is because yeah. I don't know. There's don't not know enough which car email information. But spikes him like that. But I, I see that it, there I'm is one out there. There's the, one out there for sure. Yeah. That now, because of where you're at financially, that one stays. Mm. Whereas you're thinking now, turnover, turnover, turnover. Good point. Buy the car. Get the experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sell the car. Get the next thing. Mm-hmm. Turnover. Maybe make money on it. Maybe don't. But I'm just mm-hmm. going for the experience. That's also a good recipe. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if that's the one for you. Mm. So what is it? What is the one? That's interesting. I like that. Hey guys, it's summertime again, and when the weather gets hot, it's time for custom sunscreens and dash covers from our friends at Covercraft. UVS 100 custom sunscreens are made to exactly fit inside your windshield for maximum protection from the sun. They're durable and sturdy for years of dependable use. There's a wide variety of colors and styles available, including Original, Premier Series, and Carhartt. They also have dash mat custom dash covers. They're custom fitted to your dash for complete protection from the sun. These reduce road glare when driving and complement your interior with a large selection of colors and styles, including the original carpet dash mat, the suede mat, the velour mat, and the extremely popular limited edition. Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com specifically for our audience. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Sarah's writing in from Boston. Sarah may have the question. The question of the podcast, the question of the year, the question (laughs) that all of us car enthusiasts are asking. We're all at our core asking this same question. 
And that is, are there any fun SUVs? <laughs> that is quite the question. Because Sarah? that's all they're selling. Sorry, ah. sorry. Sli- side rant. Yeah. That's, all, that's all all of us are yeah. buying. It's all everyone is selling. Yeah, SUVs. You might have to spend a little bit more, but here we go. We're going to go down that road. Sarah's in the market to buy the first new fun car she's ever had. For all of her 16 plus years of driving, she's driven a Toyota Camry. First an 01, which is recently replaced by an 04 that's on its way out, that were handed down to her, so she loves the reliability of Toyotas. Okay. Well, she's also been driving her husband's 2013 V6 Accord, so they have a Camry and Accord. Mm, they do. It's a boat, apparently. How is it a boat and your Camry's not? I agree. How is that about I me? Mean, granted, she's she's talking about a 10-year newer Accord than the Camry, and the Camrys mm-hmm. used to be kind of little, and the Accords and Camrys, both Accord especially, have gotten big. So it's probably why she thinks it's a boat, but it's not really a boat. It's not really a boat. But she's got a budget of forty to $45,000 and is truly interested in a crossover or small SUV for the okay. look and feeling of sitting up higher. She's five foot one. Yep, that's a thing. As well as maximizing visibility. Okay. As soon as she started test driving, she was disappointed because the cars mm. were underpowered, parentheses, Forester. Okay. All right. Good to know. And boring to drive, parentheses, CRV. Uh, okay. You've done drive homework, Sarah. That's what I love about this. That's great. Okay. Unless she was in a vehicle with a turbo engine. Mm-hmm. She was expecting to love the RAV4, but only the RAV4 Prime has the fun engine boost, and it on does. top of it, her husband doesn't fit. He hits That's his head on the passenger seat. He's five foot ten. That's interesting that he has trouble. We didn't really have fitting issues, but I do agree with you that the RAV4 Prime is the one you want, and it is expensive. She says the Crosstrek was the most fun for her to drive and zip around in, it's, but it's yeah. impractical in size. So it's too small. too small. So she likes the fact that it's small because, because it makes it zippy and fun to throw around, but yes. it's too small. That's very interesting. Well, she's looking for something comfortable to road trip in, Okay, easily fit skis in, refract, and have adequate storage <laughs> for road trips, Okay, and drive around her 50-pound dog and other friends. Mm. Is it the dog's other friends or your other friends and it's, the dog? It's unclear. Is it like your 50-pound dog and the dog's friends? That's the impression that I get. There's, she's got one of those magnetic dog walker things on the side, 50-pound dog and friends. Here we go. Like we've got 300 pounds of dog in the car now? <laughs> I actually think she beats her friends, but it's I just the way too. it's written. I do too. It's just fine. Anyway, yes. She lives outside of Boston, so four-wheel drive would make her feel more comfortable as well. Does she give up on the crossover, go full SUV, or upgrade to a luxury car? Interesting. I like Such this. a great question. It's very Thank good. you for yeah. writing. You were entering the level with that budget. It's at the low end mm, okay. of performance SUVs. Yeah. Car manufacturers making huge cars do things they shouldn't. True. Because at 35 to 40, we're at the top end of this is the great, greatest to drive SUV that still does all the kid things or hauls yeah, things or whatever. Yeah. And it's at the top end. I wish I had more performance. But right about the forty to $50,000 mark is when you spill over mm. into things like M Performance and Mercedes AMG. Certainly used, but you can just start to touch it. You're right, yeah. Certainly used, but this is the mindset. Mm. But the thing that comes with that, Sarah is the maintenance involved <laughs> to keep these things doing their thing at the high performance level, yeah, yeah. new or used. So the trade-off is I've got this huge lump of a car that does things that are inexplicable. It has track mode and drag race mode and it's turboed within an inch of its life mm-hmm. and it wears 22s and holy cow, this thing's fast. Yeah. I love driving it. Yeah. Wow, the maintenance bills are expensive. Mm-hmm. I say that tongue in cheek. It's not just... 
it's not like the used car, you know, 20-year-old used Ferrari that I suggested to Casey. <laughs> it's not that madness, yeah. But I'm just saying, when you have a tire budget, or you have mm-hmm. an oil change, or you have, you know, just the 40,000-mile maintenance, it's not a Toyota. It's a lot, yeah. You're used to Toyota yeah. maintenance. That's true. So there are, to answer your question, there are fun SUVs. We've driven them. Mm-hmm. They're called Porsche Cayennes. <laughs> They're called Mercedes AMG yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. They're called the BMW X3M. Mm-hmm. Surprising and astounding on track and great and <gasps> over 50 grand for that, huh? And, ooh, it's a and then you can't BMW. believe what it does. And then it goes wow. through the tires. Yeah. So at this point, you're going to have to make that decision. But I do have a car for you to investigate. It is the recently driven and test drive coming, Sarah, of the Mercedes GLA 250. Now, oh, this is the redesigned okay. GLA brand new design. It's a little, well, it's actually not bigger as far as the overall length. The wheelbase is longer, which gives the interior a little bit more room, especially that back seat. But the overall length has not increased at all to which I say that is a huge coup for Mercedes to make an interior bigger than the last gen without increasing the exterior length. That's very good packaging. Yeah. This is just the 250. It's not AMG anything. We drove the front wheel drive version and you can get these with all-wheel drive, and you can now go up from there as far as AMG True. spec. Absolutely, yeah. But the GLA, it's almost car. It's almost SUV. There's more interior space than you think. And you might think it's you know Mercedes builds a Crosstrek or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not true. Not mm-hmm. true. Just the base 250 with the base engine and front-wheel drive, astoundingly good. Pretty good to drive, yeah. I yeah, thought Better than you think. Excellent. You and I disagreed a bit, but the, but it's not bad by any means. It's pretty impressive. It is. But the thing about that car is that's the base model. Mm-hmm. Unlike a Mazda CX-5 Grand Touring, which is fully loaded at 39, easily affordable. Yeah. But there's not going to be one past that. There's not an AMG CX-5. There's true, not a true. You know, Mazda Speed coming out, you know, as far as we know, to mm-hmm. make that a monster. But with Mercedes AMG, that's where things start, and they take that base model, and then they make it do things it previously couldn't. True, true. They do astounding work. I am very impressed. <laughs> you are all I on really board with Mercedes, Mercedes right now. Yeah, for sure. And I admit, I wasn't. Yeah. Decade and a half ago, whatever. Mercedes, yeah. meh, you're just buying for the badge. Now, there's some goodness to be found. Yeah, for sure. So look at that GLA. It goes all the way up to the GLA 45 AMG, the new one is far out of your budget. <laughs> but I suggest that because it happens. And it has 384 horsepower. Yeah. And all-wheel drive. And it's a freaking monster. It is a monster. So, yes. <laughs> and it does that SUV thing that you want. Now, skis can be solved with a roof rack True. because it's low enough where you're not climbing up. I know you're five foot one, but you're not mm-hmm. you know, having to use a ladder to climb up the side sure. of the car to get yeah, your skis. Yeah. I get that. But look at this little thing. Because mm. I want to say CX-5, but the Grand Touring is as top, tippy top as it goes for 39. Yes, but see. Mm. I still think that Mercedes platform has better stuff lurking once you get past the base. It does. The base is good, mm-hmm. but then there's more opportunity for things to get better, again, if you're willing to pay. You're right. The C- the upper CX-5 is right where the Mercedes starts. The Mercedes goes nuts after that. I totally agree with that. I, hmm, I am going to go Mazda CX-5. Because it's a great, great it has car. that really, really good turbo engine, and, and you didn't, you haven't driven one, and also True. you said that the Crosstrek may be a little small for you, so that made me go, hmm, I got to go bigger than Crosstrek. So 
that maybe go Mazda CX-5 again, because that is actually bigger than the Crosstrek. And it does have that ubiquitous now for Mazda's entire lineup, turbo engine that they put in everything. It's about 250 horsepower and about 320 pound-feet of torque. By the way, a lot. Mm -hmm. Nothing else you've driven so far that you've mentioned to us has that amount of power. And Mazda has a well-calibrated six-speed automatic that actually does rev through gears and feels surprisingly powerful just in the way it works with its transmission. I think a loaded CX-5, it's well inside your budget. I think you'd be very impressed. Please drive that. Another one definitely, I thought of definitely. is the new updated 2.5-liter turbo Kia Sorento. Hmm. It is not as big as the Telluride. It's true. Because you've true. mentioned that this, this Accord your husband had feels like a boat. Which is weird because the Crosstrek's not big enough, but the Accord feels too big. It's a, you're in a weird middle ground there. I think it's not based on size of car. I think it's entirely based on feel because we've driven big right. cars that suddenly feel buttoned down the faster right. you go. That's fair. Think, That's very fair. This is a large car doing inexplicable things. The Kia Sorento is the step below the Telluride, mm. which means, first off, the Telluride is fantastic, but they're selling so fast you can't get them, and <laughs> they're marking them up, and it's terrible stuff, but it's also bigger yeah. than you need. The Sorento is a five plus two. That's actually how they market it. It has two seats in the back if you need them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That two and a half liter turbo is surprisingly good. We've driven in a couple of different specs. We were genuinely pleased with the Sorento. I think you should go drive that and surprise yourself. You already mentioned one of my two wild cards, which both of which I really like mm-hmm. for Sarah, because I look, I would love to put you in a hot sedan. I would, I would prefer that. I would prefer to have fewer SUVs on the road, but you're five foot one. You want ride height and visibility. Mm-hmm. That is directly why CUVs and SUVs are selling. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. going to stay in SUVs. Okay. You well, the get 50 yourself, pound dog. True. You could get yourself. And, and yeah, and the skis in the back. Yeah. You could get yourself a used Porsche Cayenne. Yeah. Just get forty to $45,000 worth of used Porsche Cayenne and shock yourself with the quality of the dynamics. <laughs> it was based on my experience and the experience of others. Random stuff isn't going to break. By the way, also when you're buying at that level, you're not buying the Turbo S tuned within an inch of its life. You're buying like low to middle models, mm, which mm-hmm. have fewer things to break. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. it needs maintenance, it's going to be 20% more than anything your Camry ever needed. And because it's a used Porsche, it will need more than your Camry, period. I admit all of that. But the Porsche Cayenne will shock you. However, I have an all-time favorite wild card. Okay. I think I might know. Sarah, SUV. Powerful, roomy, surprise yourself all day long. Your budget stops where these start, yeah. but I think there's savings available because it's electric. Oh, you didn't I think I you need a Mustang Mach-E. Oh, really? It solves your SUV problem. It gives you space. It gives you power that will surprise you. You yeah. will save money on gas, which may offset the fact that it's more than you're actually prepared to spend right now. I actually think there may be some budgetary shift available in there. My perfect wild card for you, drive the Mustang Mach-E and see if you're surprised. That's pretty good. I didn't see that coming. What I thought you were going to say was Volvo XC60. Oh, very good. We very, just very recently good. drove a fully loaded one, we and did. we love that platform. It's phenomenal. It really, really is. We drove the T8. High-end. has everything. It is so high end, and the budget isn't high end. The problem is, it's about what ten, fifteen more than about your 15 budget. Fifteen more than her budget, yeah. So we're talking sixty thousand dollars, and that's brand new. So mm-hmm. if you get one, maybe a twenty twenty, you know, one year old, something yeah. like that, yeah. those cannot be ignored either. The XC sixty, so that's the good. middle version, the mm-hmm. middle flavor. The size is right. The luxury is oh so right. Yep. 
and the power is there. I think you might really enjoy that. But again, we're blowing out your budget quite a bit. I do like the Maki suggestion, even though you got to add money. You got to bring money to you're the table have to for bring that some one money, too. But I do think that there, there's incentives available, and then the fact that you're going to save on gas money, mm. that just might make that work. That could work. You can only tell us whether it's luxurious enough and quick enough and fast enough, but it does have a good space. It's got it great does. space. It's very good. We're very impressed. Write to us if you've got your own debate, Topic Tuesday, or Car Conclusion. Sarah, Casey, thank you guys. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with Power Stop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. Power Stop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on direct fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every Power Stop complete brake kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. You guys have shown up again with great questions. We've got them on all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We look at all of them. We also look on our Discord for some of our patrons that are on our discord when they're posting questions we're trying to look there more as well that's happening across the board i'm going to start here from twitter with jared writing in on twitter and saying what company has the best and worst versions of each color now i didn't make a full list here but he's saying he suggests that the current mazda soul red crystal metallic is the best red that is up there for best red that's mm, kind of going more to like the board bordeaux and wine colors so if you're like in full red you're a little oranger than that but it is a good one he also thinks that the kia seltos yellow is the worst yellow it looks kind of like a urine sample doesn't it mm, that is a worthwhile metallic uh, uh, yeah critique there that's that's problematic he thinks the best blue may be ford's nitrous blue but he's also saying p- special bonus points awarded if we can pick a best monochromatic color quick story there was a a, a big road stoppage here recently. Luckily, I was not involved in it. It was going the other way. It went over a big sweeping overpass here mm-hmm. near us. Mm-hmm. And I was driving underneath the sweeping overpass okay. where everybody on the overpass was stopped. Every car I could see on the overpass stopped was a monochromatic <laughs> color except for the one in the, happened to be in the dead, I wanted to take a photo, but of course I was driving. One in the dead center that was that electric RAV4 blue one Rav four oh, in that bright blue. Yeah. Everything, everything else was like the world had gone black and white. I wanted to shake that poor person's hand. Of course, they were stuck in traffic. So, <laughs> colors are better. But I've done a few of these. Shoot your flare gun at him, like well Seriously. done. You're awesome. I have four that I wanted to mention that are both goods and bads. Uh, I'm not going to go through a huge list. This could be a topic Tuesday, but I think the best white right now is Porsche's chalk. You like the chalk? I don't like monochromatic colors. But if we got to go there, I think the chalk is at least interesting. See, I don't really like the chalk at all. Interesting. I see. I, I think it looks really good on the Panamera and the Cayenne. Huh. If we're going I mean, monochromatic. If, if, I don't want to buy a monochromatic okay. color, but yeah. I think Porsche's got yeah. the best white with chalk. BMW, I think, has the best blue with the, their Misano blue that's on the M2CS. Yes. That is a fantastic yes. blue. And it's, it's a gorgeous. different blue than is on the M2 competition. We just had it. It's on our TV episode six of season nine. It's coming very, very soon. That Masano blue is amazing. And the more you walk around it, the better it gets. 
You just think, oh, it's a really cool blue car, and then you get close to you walk around. This is really great blue. So that's up there. McLaren rules orange. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Lamborghini does a good orange, but McLaren rules orange. And I think Lotus does the best yellow. Do you? I feel like every time it's, it's true on my Elise. I've seen on other Lotuses as yeah, well. Yeah. Low tie. They do a couple of different yellows, but one of them has got some depth to it and a little bit of blue flake that's really cool. So those, that's my list for now. Uh, all right. I'll give that to you. Drew V says Track Day, The Crush, Oscar Meyer Wienermobile, <clears throat> Planters Nutmobile. It's, yeah. Yeah. All right. Hershey's Kissmobile. <laughs> this is lose, lose, lose. <laughs> Substitute in any full bodywork motorized mascot you want, but things like the Red Bull Mini Coopers don't count because those are just slightly ruined minis. Slightly ruined. Yeah. Same with the Cadbury Cream Eggmobile. It's the dumbest looking. How? How? Ever. Sorry. Sorry. Side note, and I'm going to step carefully here, but how many random college age girls were hired by Red Bull? In to the, drive the early mid 2000s yeah. to show up random places in those minis with backpacks full of Red Bull. And how successful must that campaign have been, which they don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. But I remember I, when I first moved here a decade ago, they were driving around Park City. It was like, this is the middle of nowhere compared. <laughs> it's not like a major metropolitan area, but they were everywhere. I, I, I'd love to know, just to, I'd just like to know a number of how many people were employed doing that. Well, it worked. They've got it a did. winning it Formula worked. One team. They've got a winning and, lots of things. You know, yeah. All right. I. Uh, I gonna do here i am going to daily the nutmobile because <laughs> driving around in a nutmobile is just a conversation starter it's it might something. be a stopper too, it's something yeah mm-hmm. i am going to crush the wienermobile am i maybe on track the wienermobile might be pretty dang funny that would be hysterical maybe i'll track that and crush the kissmobile because that's, that's just hysterical. that's not as interesting as you know dailying the nutmobile driving around in my Nutmobile. <laughs> I I am avoiding jokes. I'm over they here themselves. biting my tongue till it bleeds. Yes. TK Hockey five ten on Instagram says, "What if we had extra time and extra money? Those are things that exist, right? Extra yes. time and extra money. What what is one or two hobbies we would like to get into or try? Mm. I thought of two. Thought of two. They're very random, but I thought of two. One is my number one that I would try if I had both money and time because it takes a lot of both is uh, flying. Mm. I would love to get my private pilot's license and mm. have a somewhat aerobatic, not fully aerobatic, but just a, a, a good handling plane, okay, sure. an agile plane that sure. I could just go fly for fun. And then the other one I can think of is scuba. Scuba yeah, is very fun. I've done it once. I loved yeah. it. This is not an inexpensive hobby because if you live in Park City, you're going to travel for scuba. So those are two I can think of. But, of course, extra time and extra money, that's a little difficult. Sheesh, what would I do? Yeah, the water sports thing is pretty interesting. I guess uh, my uncle grew up windsurfing, or not mm. grew up, but I guess you know practiced windsurfing a lot. So yeah, I yeah. knew him to just be a windsurfing kind of a guy, and sure. I just always admired that and always mm. just kind of dug it, especially the guys that are just catching air. And so yeah. maybe something like that. But I, I have always liked wakeboarding, and I've, I've done wakeboarding. Mm-hmm. I've just... I want to be able to do the flips <laughs> and the, the constant <laughs> stuff and you know live yeah. in Florida and <laughs> just, yeah... I, Extra time and money. I, I had a buddy I worked with. He lived on a lake, and this girl kept coming by practicing, and she was amazing. He was like, who is that? He's like, oh, that's Dallas Friday. I'm like, who? 
It's like Dallas Friday. She's amazing on a wakeboard. You don't know who that is? He's like, no. So we're all currently Googling Dallas Friday. Seriously. She was really good. So he, he enjoyed uh, the show there. And uh, what else? Yeah, flying maybe, but I don't know if I'd want to. I don't know. I'm just totally fascinated. I did it right when I turned 16. I was, I was working all week to be able to afford one flight lesson. And eventually I just couldn't do that in gas and other things. Yeah, it's I was Mostly terrible car, but I loved it, and I still love it, but I just can't afford to do it. Yeah, I think water sports for me, grips women. So, yeah, water sports. Let's see. Oh, Charles K. Sim says he's got a life bucket list goal to drive a fast lap, eight minutes at the ring in a rental Porsche while visiting Germany one day. Hmm. What should he do to prepare himself for this while living in the United States? So far, he's planned out the progression of cars he wants to own and track. He does sim racing and iRacing a lot. Any other ideas or plan to achieve this life goal? Mm. Wow. That is a great goal to have. It is. It's tough to really do it without visiting the ring and understanding the realities of it. Because there is not a video game that simulates all the realities you can encounter and the actual feel of doing it. Yes. There just isn't. And there is for some other tracks and there is for many other Mm -hmm. tracks. Mm -hmm. The ring will give you the directions that'll be in your head when you're driving video games for the ring, but it does not prepare you for anything else. And when you're on it, you'll agree. Sometimes the line is not where the line would be on any other track because of what's happened with when they repaved that or or there was a crash here or that's the way this collects water. You don't know any of that in the game. That's the main reason because the line changes. Whereas many tracks, the line is the line. Yes, it's obvious. If you've driven before, this is what we do. Right. I love that you're doing this. I love that you're doing sim racing. I love that you're really going for it. Mm -hmm. But without actually doing things like NASA or SCCA, I think that's a good thing to start doing because there is no substitute for actually feeling your tires on track Mm -hmm. and really doing that. I think actually taking the initial race schools will really put you on a good route. But I mean, I say this, even though I'm, I'm aware of the racing Sims and, you know, people go right from video game racing to getting a job with Red Bull again, it happens, yeah. going to be on, you know, pro drivers, but that's not everybody. So I can't point to that as the consistent way of sure. Just drive a bunch of video games and it'll prepare you. I can't say that. I, I, he has to go. He has to go. In fact, come with us next year. We're going to go, we're going to do pilgrimage 2022, unless something else completely catastrophic and <laughs> act of God happens, but we're planning. Yeah. I was actually talking to our contact over there this week, because yeah. if, if you aren't aware here, we are in the summer of 2021 and there was a crazy amount of flooding in the area of the rings. We were in contact with our contacts over there. They're all safe and fine, which is good. And one of the questions they asked us after I was checking in on, they were like, when are you coming back? <laughs> and I said, we're planning for 2022. So, Come with us, because here's the thing I think is very interesting about the ring. To Paul's point, if you've driven a sim of it, you'll know, okay, this corner goes left, and that, but you're, that's 10% of what you need to know about the ring. Really is. Really Come is. Come and drive whatever. Drive whatever hatchback. Because what I found is, after I drove the ring, when I drive a simulation of the ring, I drive it better. Mm-hmm. Because you can bring all that knowledge with you back, and now you can True. practice properly for the ring. It works the other because, way around, yeah. Because you know, oh, that's right, this corner has to be done this way, so I'm going to do that that way on the sim, even if it doesn't make sense, or even if there is, quote-unquote, a faster way on the sim. So that helps. You need to do that for sure. You need to, you're need you going to have to go a few times to reach this goal. Charles, you're going to need to ride with somebody who can do an eight-minute lap and feel it. Yeah, You have to feel what that feels quick. like. It's quick. It's Really moving. Yeah, it's faster than most people realize. 
it's faster than most people are ever accustomed to feeling the G forces and the forces mm-hmm. on their body. Yeah. So I think, I think you need to ride with people and say, show me a fast track on you know this track and this track and this track. Yeah. And then eventually go and feel what an eight minute lap feels like. First of yeah. all, yeah. before you can work up to it. And then I still say SCCA or NASA start getting into real racing, make the jump as soon as you can. Also, sorry, you just made me think of this. We have friends over there that are, they do a, a great YouTube channel called one lap heroes. Oh okay? yes. It's a bunch of buddies from, from RSR yeah. and, and they always help us over there. But one of their whole gags is they all own cheap convertibles. Miata's S2000s, etc. They all work the ring on, banana. And they're the ring banana, yes. Uh, they are in the process of turning all of those into just focused track cars. Yeah. But their whole goal, all of these guys, and keep in mind, they live there, they work there, mm-hmm. they are building track cars for this purpose. Not 911s, I admit. We're talking Miatas and stuff, so they're yeah. not high-performance power. Okay, I get that. But their whole goal is to try to get all of their cars to eight minutes. These guys live there. And they live there. So yeah. this this is a it's more challenging than it might appear, but I applaud you for the goal. Ryan Reyes says, thoughts on atypical methods of buying cars such as Vroom or Carvana. Ryan, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. If you can find the car you want. I think it's a little bit of a dice roll if you're just I'm just kinda looking. You know what I mean? But if you know the car you want and you can find the one you want and the spec you want from that kind of situation, it takes away all of the things that most of us don't like about buying a car at a dealer. And it shows up at your house. I think that's awesome. I don't have an issue with it. Do you think this forces people into buying the car they almost want, but not the really the one they want? Do you think it's an almost there because it was there and easy and click the button and boom? I, I, think, it, I think it has a potential to be that. If you don't know what you want, if you, if you decide just it. this is my car, I think it's a great way to buy. If that's you're, if it. you're searching, you're going to get something that you're probably going to like, but there may have been something better out there. Mm-hmm. Jason Black says, what company do we think provides the most standard features without bundling them into the top trims? He's planning a midsize SUV purchase in 2022. So a little ways out. Well, when you're thinking like that, I mean, it just doesn't make sense for companies to offer a la carte anything. Just mm-hmm. financially, it just doesn't make sense. And so they bundle the weirdest stuff together. BMW bundles things that don't go in the pack that you think it should go in. Yes. But yet on the spec sheet, it's still listed under the other thing. Mm-hmm. Like the performance pack doesn't have the handling. The dynamic handling pack is like, <laughs> you know, something completely different. You're like, why are the good brakes over there with yeah, that one? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it, brakes it's very are, weird. Yeah. I think the dynamic handling is suspension and not the actual different steering feel. They, they do weird mixes like that. Everybody does. Yeah. It's very bizarre. It's, it, you want three things that should go in a package together. That's three different packages. I think Mazda does a great job because you can, uh, you can pretty much get up into those top trim levels and you start and pay more, but it feels like you get a lot more for your money too. Mm. It always feels that way with the top trim levels. Yeah. You got to get the, you know, the top to get, you know, to get that turbo, but I think it's worth it, especially with Mazda. BMW, like I, like we're talking about, you can almost get them all a card, I guess, because even though they're under a package name, the premium package, the dynamic package, dynamic handling, the performance package, uh, <laughs> the, oh, the M per- performance package, they only come with one or two things, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Even mm-hmm. though it's a quote-unquote package, yeah. it comes with just like, 
yeah, one or two things. And I think under other packages, you can order that one thing and like stick it under this package. Sometimes you can. That, that's the key thing is you have to you have to dig into the manufacturer because sometimes you can add on the one thing. But what, what I find infuriating, we've always done this, you wind up on the con- car configurator, which is a weird word. You wind up there and you're building your own, right? Mm-hmm. And invariably, you click something and it says, well, if you want that, you got to remove this. Or if you yeah, want right. that, you've got to add the Porsche just, does that. I, want, like I crazy. want the one thing with the, yeah, the Porsche. Here's the thing about Porsche is Porsche exists in that world until you get so far into throwing money at them that now they're like, whatever you want. But for the rest of us that have just gotten into Porsche, it's like, well, you can't have that unless you have this. Well, I didn't want the, oh. mm-hmm. happens a lot. Yeah, it certainly does. Jared Rose one says, what's the oldest car we've ever driven? And in case it's different, what's the oldest car we've ever been a passenger in? I think for me, it is that 1953 Corvette C1 without seatbelts. Hmm. I think that is the oldest car I've ever actually driven. And I don't think I've ridden in anything older. Hmm, that might be up there, isn't it? Uh, that is by far the oldest thing I've personally uh, driven. 1953. Watch our American original Corvette That was film. a 54 car. That you're right, it was, was a 54 right, it was. car. 54. It was the first gym, but it was, it was just 53 is when they came out. Yeah, that yeah. was a 54 car, but yeah. No seatbelts. Did not fit uh, well. Yeah. Yeah, 60s cars, but yeah, that one's still older. Huh. And then we, I mean, we drove like three of them from the 50s, but that, that's that's an old car. But I can't, I don't think I've even been in anything from the 40s. Like driven in it? Like actually driven. Climbed around, sure, but driven in it? No. Yeah, that's crazy to think. Seth K says, if you had a chance to buy a wagon or a manual transmission car, but didn't do so... Do you really have the right to complain that car companies don't make wagons or don't make manual transmission cars? <laughs> well, that's just what we're talking about. We want those things, and everybody says they're better. But does it make it better? I stand on manual transmissions. Sometimes they're not better. They can they can be worse, absolutely true. But, but the key thing here is, look, this is just straight-up supply and demand, folks. We're all buying CUVs. All the automakers are making more CUVs. If we wanted to make other stuff, we have to reward. I know this sounds weird. We have to reward the manufacturer for making sports cars by buying said sports cars new. And I say this with personal pain because I have owned some amazing cars, including my Lotus Elise, because I bought them used. Mm. But somebody had to buy them new. Ted G says, in what different ways do cars compete? Price and function, power and style, use cases. He thinks how the old two-door Wranglers had one of its top competitors, and that was a personal boat. He said it competed in the lifestyle use case. But he thinks how some shoppers compare things across a wide range of prices because of the reason they're looking to buy. Well, that's just it. It's car companies thinking of the package and the trim level that Mm. will appeal to most people. They might sell the middle trim level out of everything else. That might be the best seller. Mm. It's not the top trim level that sells because people think, uh, you know, for family use or just what we need it for, not looking for the fully, fully loaded car. But the, the differentiator sometimes just comes down to style. Mm. It's not necessarily just functionality because there's a, an X factor, a nebulous thing that is in everybody that many people can't point to and not articulate. And they just say, well, I just like that one better. Mm -hmm. And you'll push on them and say, why do you like that better? I just like it better. It just appeals to me more. Maybe it's a combination of a bunch of different things. The seat height is a little bit lower to get in. You like the roof shape a little bit better and the style a little bit better. Okay. And those are valid reasons, but this is car companies pushing 
to make that jump, to, to appeal to all of us to get your dollars. Mm. So you see just crazy things happening. You know, why is that package put with that? And, you know, then <laughs> the price goes up, all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a number of different ways, Ted, but it's not across the board. I'd say with the German car companies, they're far more in tune with each other. But you look at now even Ford and GM, they don't always compete in everything right across the board. And you think they would, but they mm. don't. Mm. I've got a crazy one I've been pondering because it took me totally at a time machine. And that is Petrolhead 2003 says, what's the dumbest car you've ever seen someone buy for their kid? Also, what's the most unsafe car you saw someone buy for their kid? Uh, unsafe is relative depending upon who the kid is and how they drive. Because I've seen like huge SUVs that seemed safe, but the child is so terrible at driving it, it suddenly became unsafe. Mm-hmm. And I've seen tiny little things that were terrible, but the kid was a good driver. So what's the trade-off? The dumbest car I've ever seen someone buy for their kid also might have been the coolest. <laughs> when I okay. was in high school, I had a buddy whose dad, I'm showing Paul the picture and then I'm going to tell you all about it, whose dad bought him this. Oh. A 1970s Alfa Romeo GTV. Okay? It's the Velos, the 1970s car. It's This is a very classic Alfa two-door. Imagine, if you can't picture it, imagine the BMW 2002. It's the Alfa equivalent of that. A 1970s two-door sedan. Looks like a sedan, but it is actually a coupe. His dad was, if I remember the story correctly, was the outgoing general manager of the last Alpha dealer in Houston. No kidding. And so he found this car and gave it to his son at 16. Oh my gosh. And it was by far the most unique, coolest car in the parking lot. I went to a private school in Houston, and there were, we were lucky to go there, and we were lucky to have cars. There were kids in the parking lot whose parents were like, what do you want? You know, mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that craziness mm-hmm. going on. And here was this friend of mine who had this old Alpha. And it was so cool. And I was car inept enough at that point that all I knew it was cool. I can't even really remember specifically like any of the details about it, but I know that's what the car was. Manual transmission, incredibly fun. Sounded good, looked really cool. Rarely ran. Really? <laughs> that so, was the problem. Then, yeah. That right. was the issue, right. is the fact that you gave your, your child a car that is a reliability nightmare. Cool as can be. Mm. But it felt like dad wanted one in the garage, and so he gave it to his son is what it felt (laughs) like. And so my poor friend was catching rides all the time because something was broken on his Alpha all the time. When it was there and it was running, it was by far the coolest, most interesting car in the parking lot. It was like, that's awesome. Your dad is awesome. And then the next day it was like, yeah, it's broken again. Yeah, I didn't go to a high school where anybody really had something stand out. I guess guess the uh, Volkswagen Audi dealer... His son always got the cool Audis, but other than that, he was an upperclassman, so he was you know, sure, way sure. out. He was out there, so whatever. Thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. We're happy to be back and podcasting again, yeah. and thank you for all following the TV show and the upcoming Cheap Sports Car Challenge, and big thanks to Auto Tempest and Power Stop Brakes for sponsoring that entire challenge, because we couldn't do it without their help, and yeah. we're thrilled that we pulled off at least the initial filming. Now to edit. Yeah, there's a lot. Cheers, everybody.